Ulterior. Hey everybody, here is a digital tip jar, because I do not believe that the person selling my band's merch deserves to eat. Do you see how that sounds? <laughs> Brother, this is one of the fucking silliest bits of drama that I've seen on Metalcore Twitter in, in a while, and I feel like that says something. And it's silly because, like, I don't understand the thought process that went into typing out that shit and sharing it on social media and believing that you made a point or that you did something. I personally don't believe anybody who tips the merch seller has ever believed that that money is going to the band. Like, okay, at concerts, aside from merch sales, people also frequent the bars. The tips are for the bartenders. When you go to Starbucks and you place an order, the tip is for the barista. When you order something on Uber Eats or DoorDash or Grubhub, whatever the fuck, the tip that you leave for the delivery driver goes to wait for it wait for it wait for it take a guess the fucking delivery driver no shit the tips are going to the merch seller and it's really really fucking shitty and silly to be trying to take that money away and it also shows this like really grotesque lack of understanding for how the industry that you were a part of actually works. Did you go this entire time in your career believing that tips for merch sellers went to you and your band? Are you fucking kidding me, dog? That is so fucking silly. Whatever. They, they took it down. Good for them. I don't know, man. Goofy ass band. But yeah, that was just the little bit of news that I wanted to kind of be tangential about because, again, it's so fucking stupid. But we're not here to talk about what Tesseract believes they're owed or what they're not owed or whatever the fuck. Here to talk about music. And, holy shit, there was a lot of that last week. And not just a lot of music, a lot of Hooper music. These motherfuckers showed up and showed out and dropped some Kobe numbers on this bitch. And I'm here to talk about everything that I can. So, we got brand new singles by the likes of Spirit Box, Bring Me the Horizon, I Sign Kills. That alone is a fucking murderer's row of singles, you feel me? And a couple of others I want to mention. And then brand new records by Creeper, Beauty School Dropout, Bitterwood, Victims, and Beartooth. Thank you so much, thank you for tapping in, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. been busy last few days and by busy i mean hitting up some shows so a little over a week ago 
it was Tuesday, October 2nd, I went to go see Motionless and White, Knocked Loose, After the Burial, and Alpha Wolf. Incredible show. Like, I cannot say enough good things about those bands. And just the energy they brought, the way that the crowd was so receptive of everything. Um, after Motionless performed Immaculate Misconception, Chris said that that was the loudest the song had or that was the loudest the crowd had been for that song all tour, which I obviously have no way of knowing for sure if that's true or not. But for Chris on stage to have had this clear, you know, emotional reaction to the audience singing that song back to him, that was fucking tremendous. The overall production of Motionless's show was just so so next level. Like like I have not personally seen a band put forth that kind of effort and attention to detail in the production. Just the, the, the cues for the lighting and the pyro, um, the cherry bombs backup dancing squad that was coming out every once in a while and the costume changes and just everything, the snow falling at the end of another life like that, that actually that specific moment, the snow falling during another life was just this outer body experience, completely extraterrestrial, and I loved every single fucking second of it. And then a couple days later, I was at Metalcore Dropouts. The Devil Wears Prada, Fit for a King, Counterparts, and Landmarks. So at this specific venue for this show, I am pretty much used to kind of showing up just a little bit after doors open, and I'm usually able to get you know, as close to barricade as I can, maybe like three or four rows back. I walk in the building, maybe like 10 minutes before landmarks go on, a fucking sea of people, like no possible way of, you know, pushing myself up towards barricade. So stood kind of in the middle of the whole thing and just watched landmarks fucking kill it. Landmarks are incredible. I've said that Time and time again on this show, whenever I have the chance to talk about their material, Landmarks, just complete fucking champions at this shit. And then Counterparts was extra special to me, and being able to be there and hear songs like No Servant of Mine and Wings of Nightmare, and there was not one song I heard that whole night that meant more to me than Whispers of Your Death. And... Hearing Brendan explain beforehand about the song and how it related to his cat Kuma, who unfortunately passed after the song released, and being somebody who, you know, has lost a cat before, that moment there with that song, and me being able to sing back these lines to him, it was just so heart-wrenching and riveting and it's something that i can't really properly put into words and i don't know if i'll ever be able to but it meant a lot to me like it really really genuinely meant the fucking world to me to be there live and in person experiencing that song fit for a king were tremendous as always and i feel like 
Texas audiences especially, you know, really, really give their love and their dedication to that band. And it's a really fair and great trade-off, you know. They are on stage putting on this excellent show, and then us in the audience are just kind of reciprocating that energy. And it was a really, really beautiful time. I love every chance I got to see Fifer King. And then I finally, 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 finally got to see The Devil Wars Prada live. And just being in that room and, you know, not just embracing the current iteration of this band and singing songs like um, Broken and Reaching and Salt, but then also hearing Des Moines and Outnumber and fucking Hey John. Like, this is, this is special to me. This means something to me. This shit means something to me, man. And it was a good fucking time. And there are few things in the world that really do compare to the exhilarating nature of live music. But enough of all that shit. Let's look at what we're here to look at. That's the new music. That new new. That brand new shit. And we're starting off really fucking big. It is the brand new single by Spirit Box, Cellar Door. Cellar Door is the latest single off of The Fear of Fear, which is Spirit Box's new EP out November 3rd. And maybe the best song released so far for this package. I feel like I say that every time they've released something new, whether it be Jaded or The Void, but I also feel like that's just kind of a testament to how fucking good Spearbox really are and how much the entire hype around them is warranted. Cellar Door is one of the heaviest songs they've ever released. Maybe this is just me and my own brain working weird shit, but... I feel like Cellar Door has a lot of intricate details that feel akin to when Courtney was part of I Wrestled a Bear once and the album she had with them, Hail Mary, because of how chaotic and aggressive the song is. And Spirit Box is able to take this sound, channel it into their own ideas and concepts, and that makes Cellar Door as successful of a single as it is, and it adds to what right now is, in my opinion, one of the best rollouts for any project so far this year. The Fear Fear has not missed, and again, whether it's Cellar Door, Jaded, or The Void, Spirit Box is continuing to carve for themselves a true, genuine case of being the best band in the world right now. Bring Me the Horizon dropped a brand new single, it is Dark Side. Where I last left off on Bring Me the Horizon was announcing the September 15th release date for Posting Me Next Gen, and that obviously ended up not being the case. The band delayed the record, believing that this additional time would allow them to fine-tune it and craft it to their liking, which I think is a very respectful and admirable decision, and I have no issue waiting for the record, because for myself, there is no band with a more pristine, proven track record than Bring Me the Horizon. 
And you look at the singles rollout from Die For You into Strangers, and then Lost and Amen, and then now Dark Side. The quality is there. The same consistency the band has held their entire career is still there. I think Dark Side does an amazing job at acting as this more traditional, straightforward, alt-rock sounding song, very uh, similar to what the band did on That's a Spirit, and then certain songs from here and there, like Mantra and One by One, and I think Dark Side is going to be one of those tracks where anytime it comes on shuffle, I'm going to be singing along to it. If I ever have the privilege of hearing the song live, I'll be doing the same thing at the top of my lungs. I love Dark Side. I love any time Bring Me the Horizon takes this kind of venture, and I have no doubt that, in my opinion, the greatest band of all time will deliver again whenever Posting Me Next Gen is in our hands. Meet and Greet is the name of the new Ice Nine Kill single. Hello, Clarice. Nothing's free at this meet and greet. Quit the crow as we go. Meet and Greet is part of the deluxe edition for The Silver Scream 2, Welcome to Horrorwood, which was Ulterior's 2021 Record of the Year. It's a decision that I still stand by, and also a decision that I feel is now reaffirmed with the addition of Meet and Greet. So Meet and Greet is based off of Silence of the Lambs, and just like any other song in the Silver Scream universe, you have a bunch of references to Silence of the Lambs thrown in. The intro of the song acts as the beginning of the film where Clarice first meets Hannibal. Later on in the song, Spencer gives the line, I'd fuck me, which is from Buffalo Bill's iconic speech. And this song, along with having those references littered in, is true to that really aggressive and anthemic metalcore nature of Ice Nine Kills. And I think they're one of the best bands in the world when it comes to executing that style and executing it in a way that remains true to their characters, true to their entire persona. Meet and Greet fits right in with everything else Ice Nine Kills has done with the Silver Scream. And just like all their other endeavors, I cannot get enough of Meet and Greet. Let me talk to you about Youth Fountain and their song, Identical Days. I ask that everybody out there who enjoys pop punk, even marginally... Do not sleep on what Youth Fountain are doing for this cycle of their new album, Together in Lonesome, out on November 3rd. I sang the praises of their 2021 record, Keepsakes and Reminders, pretty heavily on this show. And then the subsequent bonus tracks that were added later on through the deluxe edition, because I believe in Youth Fountain. I think their sound, even if not super unique displays this immense prowess in the genre by delivering on this emotional yet catchy nature that I don't feel every pop-punk band out there right now currently hits. The build-up to the chorus sets the listener in the exact frame of mind they need to be in before having this wall of sound just completely encompass their world and leave this distinct reminder about why Youth Fountain are pillars of the genre at the moment, in my opinion. I think every step they've taken for the rollout of Together and Lonesome achieves the heights that I know they're capable of, and again, 
I just ask that everybody give Youth Fountain their attention November 3rd. House Parties just dropped a brand new single and video for Braindead. This was my first time checking out House Parties, and I am more than glad that a clip of the video for Brain Dead showed up on my TL, because otherwise, I would have missed out on what I consider to be a massive showcase for what pop punk can and should be today. There is this undeniable energy and infectiousness to everything happening in Brain Dead that makes it damn near impossible to pass up the opening, to sing along to the chorus, and embrace this larger-than-life vision for the genre. It's got this vibe that is perfect for fall. I can't really explain it thoroughly in words, but it just screams like, you know, cool air and leaves falling and that sort of shit. I genuinely have a great time whenever I listen to this single, and it makes me intrigued and excited to keep up with house parties moving forward because I think their sound is incredibly crisp and defined. Year of the Knife have a new song out right now called Your Control. So, there is a lot to cover when it comes to Year of the Knife, and... I'll get to do so when their new album, No Love Loss, is out on October 27th. But well, what is important to know is that proceeds from this record will be going to the band's recovery from a really, really, really bad accident that they were involved in back in June. And it has been both heartbreaking and uplifting to see the condition of their vocalist, Maddie Watkins, and everything that she has had to endure from you know, surgeries to rehab and then everything else in between. Year of the Knife need the support of everybody in the scene at the moment. And knowing that Maddie has been able to make it out of the hospital and is recovering at home, it makes it easier to look at the music and talk about the band from that angle. Your Control is this complete ass beater of a song. And I think it highlights everything that has made Year of the Knife as revered and hardcore as they have been. It is captivating, it's pissed off, it's hardcore through and through, and the screams from Maddie have this apoplectic cadence that fits right in with the instrumentation. Getting to experience new Year of the Knife amidst everything that has happened to them is an absolute honor and a privilege, and I do implore everybody listening to this right now, please support Year of the Knife and this record in the coming weeks, because again, they can really, 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 really use the helping hands. Thornhill is back and they dropped Viper Room. So the last time that I mentioned Thornhill on this show was when reviewing their album from 2022 called Heroin. And then that was it. I gassed the record up quite a bit when it initially released, and then it was 
absent from any of the year-end lists because I ended up not feeling like I could connect with Heroin as time went on. And that's not the fault of the band because I think it's still a really solid album, but I just kind of found for myself that I wasn't going to it a ton. Now, this new single, Viper Room, does kind of see Thornhill take a chance on a sound that, while rooted in what they've done before on Heroin and the Dark Pool, it has this almost sleazy and grimy feel to its core with a weird flair that can be perceived as pop or new wave in some ways. I think it's very much so still true to the identity of Thornhill, and I think it's a great endeavor for themselves. The performance vocally by Jacob is a standout of the track, and he really adds to the overall cadence of the single that I spoke about being dirty at some points. I think Viper Room is an excellent song for Thornhill, and I look forward to what they do from here on out. And for the final single that I'm going into detail on for the episode, it is Glad You Came by Varsity. This is part of the upcoming album by Varsity called Levitate, dropping on October 27th. In true fashion to Varsity's identity, Glad You Came pushes forward the boundaries that the band skirts around amongst metalcore and R&B, bringing to us this amalgamation of the genre lines that I don't believe any band is doing as well as Varsity at the moment or even within the last couple of years. I think on Glad You Came, Joey does a really great job when kind of playing to his strengths and going back and forth between the smooth delivery of his verses before ramping up the aggression and energy in the chorus. He has a really powerful voice that lends itself perfectly to the groove and bounce that the instrumentation finds. Those downtuned riffs really help bring everything to life, and I think Varsity have continuously shown out for this singles rollout. Please check out Levitate when it drops soon. If anything that I've said resonates with you about Varsity's sound, or if you know for yourself just how fucking good this band is. These were the remaining singles from last week that I gave either a 4 or a 5-2 in the reviews on social media. Picture by Six Acre Earth. Red Flag Football by Andres. Weirdo by Aviva. Astral Planes by Bad Sons. Fell in Love by Blink-182. Dystopia by Crystal Lake. Thaw by N featuring Debbie Go. King of Ruination by Enterprise Earth featuring Ben Dur. LSD by Our House. Terrified by Jasmine Bean. Deprecating by Maggie Lineman and Sick Brain. Revelation by Many Eyes. Miracle by Mayday Parade. I've Been by MNYS. Grimothy by Moontooth. A Great Nothing by Osaya. Between Skin and Bones by Royal Hearts. Downward Spiral by Scarlett O'Hara. Sorrows by The Darkest Moment. I Dragged a Sin by True North. Homegrown by Unwell and Modern Love by Wargasm. Nothing got below a 4 or a 5, so this was genuinely one of my favorite week of singles in the year, and not just for what I mentioned about, you know, that triple headliner of Bring Me, Spirit Box, and Ice Nine, but so many other bands had songs that genuinely captivated me and really moved me, and you fucking love to see it, dude. Like, you love when Hooper's Hoop, and that's exactly what happened last week. 
So now we move into the albums and the EPs for the episode, and the first record that I want to go into right now, I actually have quite a bit to say. More than I thought I would. Sangalvore by Creeper. So, I'll get the crux of this review out the way now and say that Creeper is a band that I have consistently struggled to find interest in. I get what they're going for and what the audience, their sound and aesthetic is for, and if I were somebody more drawn to the gothic, horror punk, and glam rock persona of theirs, I don't doubt that they would be one of my favorite acts. But... As somebody looking on from the outside whose only real connection to that realm is older AFI material, it rarely moves me. And I can acknowledge that everybody in Creeper is immensely talented, despite what I'm saying. And if nothing else, I can always look to the vocal performances of Will and Hannah as some of the most impressive I believe I've ever heard before. And while I'm giving praise to Creeper despite the stance on them I just mentioned... They do have two of my favorite songs of the last decade or so, Black Rain and Midnight, the latter of which made it into the Top 100 Songs of 2021 series. I think whenever Creeper manages to find that sweet spot that piques my interest, they can be genuine dogs. And on this record, Sangobor, I feel like I do get some tastes of the intriguing element to Creeper that peeks its head out every once in a while. Songs like Cried Heaven and Teenage Sacrifice really do satisfy that urge and show me that even if I may never really wholeheartedly fuck with Creeper, I'm always going to have select songs from this project that really do it for me, you know? And then there are moments on here where I I wish I I wish it was different, but I just can't get behind what is being pursued. The album opens with Further Than Forever, which is a nine-minute intro song. Dude, a nine-minute song filled with those signature creeper tropes that turn me away from their sound? It's a lot to ask for. Like, it's pretty crazy. Even for bands who I am, you know, in love with, per se, I, I don't know if I could do that. And then the record closes with More Than Death, which is a very, like, avant-garde and epic-sounding song, as if it's the conclusion to, you know, a theater play, which I feel like is by design. And I like the idea of it, but it does little for me as the last piece of the album that is meant to capture me. I think The Ballad of Spook and Mercy is another song that has a cool concept integrated into it, but... The slow brooding ballad style mixed into this track loses me more times than it pulls me in. And I feel like that might be the ultimate gist of what I'm getting at with this review for Sangobor. It's in and out. It grabs me and then loses me. And then it grabs me and then loses me and so on and so forth. It's up and down. It's hot and cold. It's everything on the, you know, the middle section of the spectrum per se. And that's kind of where... I have to 
you know, concede when it comes to my perception of Creeper. This is where they've been this entire time for myself, and it feels like that's where they're always going to be. A band that has those bright, shining moments, and I know it's there, and whenever they can really nail a song, I fucking love it. I really, really do. But then so many other moments, it just, it doesn't work for me. And, you know, maybe the overall theme of this and the message is, Creeper is not for me. And that's fine. That's fair. Not every band I talk about on the show is, you know, necessarily for me. But I try to deliver any and every area of the scene that I can on this show and not just limit myself to talking about what it is that I really like. Because otherwise, I'd be positioning myself in a really boring echo chamber. And I don't want that. I'm happy to have dived into Sangabore. I'm happy to give Creeper chance after chance, no matter how many times I'm let down by them. But each time, I end up feeling this, you know, sort of ambivalence to their material. And I say that while also saying this. If you love Creeper, you're going to love Sangabore. And that's what really matters right now. It does not matter what myself, the metalcore head of the fucking stratosphere, thinks about Creeper. It matters what you, the person who has been riding for Creeper this whole time, thinks. And if you like the record, then that's all that fucking matters. Ready to Eat is the name of the new album out right now by Beauty School Dropout. This is the first chance outside of a single or two that I really have a few minutes to dive into Beauty School Dropout on this show. And I'm happy to do so because I think there is undeniable potential on their end. They had a record out last year called We Made Plans and God Laughed, which I thought was a really solid outing for the band. And specifically, there's a song on there called Fight Mode that I still go back to really often. And ultimately, don't believe that Ready to Eat's staying power for myself is going to compare to We Made Plans and God Laughed. But above all else, I want to focus on what I mentioned a bit ago about Beauty School Dropout, and that is potential. Even if I'm not as high on this particular release, I still have a sense of faith and believability in what Beauty School Dropout are doing, because I think that at large, these songs present here on Ready to Eat are really catchy and have this great flow and rhythmic sensibility that is accentuated by the raw sound that the production of the album has. It's rough around the edges at points, which I feel like is done by design to keep these songs from sounding super squeaky clean. And I think that does work to the advantage of the tracks here. Like just to give a, you know, a clear example. Dying to Be You is, in my opinion, the standout of the album, thanks in part to the production elements that I mentioned. Like, it, it sounds DIY and startup, while still feeling advanced in so many ways. It is catchy as fuck, and I think the album doesn't necessarily reach those same heights again in its runtime, but there are still other songs that come close, like Blow My High and Scarlet Letter. 
And then there are some moments where I feel like the ideas are there, but they're not super flushed out. You know, maybe they were rushed. Maybe they come across as like, you know, inauthentic at points, but I still sense that potential. I want to go back to that word potential because I feel like that is what is prevailing overall with this record. But again, it doesn't hit every single time. Beautiful Waste in particular has a chorus that is ready to be sang out loud by myself, or at least that's how it feels. But I just get the sense of like something is missing from it, like something that could have made it blossom even further. And then a song like One Night Stand You, honestly, is more aggravating than anything else. It just feels so simplistic. And the main hook of I Can't One Night Stand You is a, a little silly in my opinion, but you know, whatever, we move. Um, I do think that the closing song, Thanks for Nothing, has a cool concept attached to it where it's only about a minute long and it repeats the name of every song on the record in a poem of sorts. It's a great way to close out the album, but it doesn't uplift the duller moments of the record. But, like I said initially, I still have a lot of faith and love for Beauty School Dropout. Because I know there is more to their name, I know there is a lot more for them to achieve, and I'm going to be here every step of the way because, again, I believe in them. And I hope you guys can believe in them too. Let me talk about Victims and Volume 5, The Her Collection, which is their new album. This is the follow-up to Volume 4, Numb the Ache, which was one of the first records that I reviewed for Ulterior back in 2021. It was a record that had its ups and downs for myself, but it still did enough to propel and further establish the overall image of victims with a record that carefully outlined their intricacies that I found really, really easy to appreciate. They were unapologetically heavy and commanding of one's attention, which are elements that have carried over seamlessly into Volume 5. And while I understand the identity of victims is seated in its heaviness and raw, brutal nature, just like on Volume 4, the sections of the album that really stand out above anything else in this package center around Meredith's voice and the clean singing that she offers to contrast John's screams. That characteristic really finds a home in the record on the song Displacement, which is both beautiful and daunting all at the same time, with the dueling vocals of Meredith and John doing so much goodwill to help give Volume 5 this extra burst of energy in its final phase. The closing track which comes there after Displacement is the title track to her collection, and Kaylee Wolf from Rivals helps out here with a feature spot that I thought really helped add the final stamp to this incredible package of songs. I think it is one of the most tremendous closing songs and feature spots on any record in the last few months, and Kaylee was the perfect choice to round out things here. There are some other phenomenal guest feature spots aside from Kaylee's, such as Jack from Void of Vision on the song Burn Victim, Elijah from Cane Hill on Bitter Pill, 
and tailor from Let's Suffer on the duality of suffering. I think these moments really allow victims the chance to add more flavor, if you will, to their formula that, you know, it could have ran the risk of becoming slightly repetitive at times. Yet, this record, it never once allowed itself to flatline or lose any steam. It's just go, go, go. And even at a time where, like, so many heavier albums do that, I don't know if there is one I've heard in recent memory, at least of the last few weeks, per se, that embodies that spirit as much as victims on this album. This record ignites the passion that I have for metalcore. It is heavy and grimy and disgusting, and yet still so immaculate in its delivery that it pieces together elements that are not unique to the genre, but I don't think every band out there in metalcore finds the composition in said elements the way Victims did here. Volume 5, The Hurt Collection, is a fucking excellent album, and I still feel like there is somehow, you know, remaining room for it to grow on me even further with more listens. Bitterwood dropped a brand new EP, it is The Truth, Episode 2. For full transparency, I did not know about Bitterwood until a few months ago when I decided to review What's Up Dingus when it dropped as a single. And the thing about What's Up Dingus that caught my attention was not, you know, some suggestion made to me based off the music. Nobody came to me and was like, hey, this band Bitterwood sounds like XYZ, so maybe you'd like them. What happened was the artwork for What's Up Dingus had Reptar on it. Like, Reptar from the Rugrats. And I thought, that is so fucking beast. You know what? L- let's try this. Let me listen to What's Up Dingus and see what's going on here. And that was an incredible decision on my end. Because What's Up Dingus is just fucking sensational, guys. Like, I have listened to the song so many times in the last few months, and it never once becomes tiring. I never once find myself, you know, in the midst of listening to What's Up Dingus on Shuffle and wanting to skip it. Like, that song has true, genuine, lasting power with myself right now. It's the second track on this EP, and it remains my favorite piece of this package. I just think it does an incredible job at balancing the metalcore and hardcore influences that have inspired Bitterwood. And it makes me want to both sing along and start two-stepping. There's a song on here called Absolute, which features Mark from Paleface Swiss. And he actually calls out the band's name, like, producer tag style before his verse commences. And it's just a fucking cool moment. Bros being bros, you know? What can I say? I I do want to point out one small flaw with the EP, and that's the closing song, Hot Chip. I just didn't believe that it was impactful enough to fully round out this record when you compare it to songs like What's Up Ding is an Absolute, or, or rather how I compare them. It, it is a good song, but not closing a great EP good, if that makes any sense. I, I think above all else, what The Truth Episode 2 does for me is it gives me a new band to watch 
and see the growth in because I do believe that there is growth that will be achieved. It's hard to listen to a song like What's Up Dingus and not believe that. I keep talking about What's Up Dingus, but like, for real, for real, this song is fucking insane, man. Like, this could have been the only song that Bitterwood ever wrote and I still would be guessing up their name because What's Up Dingus is that fucking song and in some respects, The Truth Episode 2 is that fucking EP. And for the final record of the episode, one of the most anticipated of this season, I feel like, The Surface by Beartooth. Beartooth, Beartooth, Beartooth. Okay. So, something that I've always told myself and reiterated on here is that if I'm going to talk about bands with as extensive of a history and following as Beartooth, then I'm going to do it right. And to me, doing it right means being upfront and honest with my feelings towards this band not just in this current incarnation with the surface, but their entire tenure so far. So for anybody who doesn't have this knowledge, the vocalist of Beartooth, Caleb Shomo, was originally part of Attack Attack. He was the keyboardist before transitioning to the frontman ahead of the deluxe edition of their self-titled record back in 2011. And upon hearing those bonus tracks like Last Breath and Criminal, I bought into the idea and execution of Caleb on vocals. I thought he sounded really confident and comfortable, which is kind of crazy for somebody who was so new to this position of fronting a band at that time, and especially one with as big of a following and a lens on them as Attack Attack. Caleb was the frontman for the band's final album, This Means War, before leaving towards the end of 2012. Attack Attack ended up disbanding in 2013, and then the members formed a new band called Native, which was actually not bad from what I remember hearing of that one demo of theirs that surfaced. But Caleb was not part of that. Instead, he formed Beartooth, and pretty quickly, they had the backing of Red Bull Records, which is the label that they're still on to this day. The Sick EP was the first release of the band, and it did initially, to me, feel like an extended branch from the sound that Attack Attack could have chased following This Means War. In 2014, they released their debut full-length, Disgusting. Disgusting remains my favorite Beartooth album because of how much songs like The Lines, Sick and Disgusting, Beaten in Lips, and Keep Your American Dream have remained staples of my listening habits. It really seemed at the time for myself that Beartooth had the range and ability to be a juggernaut in the scene. And metrically, when you look at numbers, that is what ended up happening. They're one of the most recognizable bands in metalcore, and that has been achieved through the hard work of all members involved and the dedication from the fans who have been touched by their music. And looking at Beartooth from that perspective, how can you not fuck with them? How can you not root for them? How can you not look at 
the kid who was on keys from Attack Attack being a goddamn megastar and not feel inspired by that. You know what I mean? Everything that they've been able to achieve is fucking awesome. Now, musically. That is where I think the dissenting opinions on Beartooth become more legitimate and justified. Aggressive from 2016 is, in my opinion, fine. And it has some standout songs like the title track and Sick of Me, but as a whole, I found Aggressive to be a step down from what the band accomplished on Disgusting. And the same story was applicable to the 2018 follow-up Disease. And I say that while also acknowledging that my favorite Beartooth song of all time is the title track from the album. 2021's Below did not make things any better for Beartooth, and if anything, it just hurt them more significantly in my eyes because I don't think it's any good. It has one redeemable song called The Answer, but otherwise, it is one of the biggest misfires I've ever seen from a band that I otherwise had a lot of faith in to at least marginally deliver. So, going into the surface... I didn't know if I'd be getting a Beartooth record that could redeem themselves following Below, or if it would maintain the downward trend for their sound. The singles rollout for this record really began last year in July, when Riptide dropped, and in one song, in just one fucking single, I was saying, we are so fucking back. Riptide is fucking awesome, dude. I said that Disease is my favorite Beartooth song, but Riptide is about as close of a second as a second can ever be. Let's say hypothetically that the surface bombed sonically. At the very fucking least, it would have Riptide going for it. But thankfully, there are other tracks here with similar substance. Sunshine is a song that I've been high on since first hearing it a few months ago, and I still enjoy it a lot. I think the fake out in the first chorus is a brilliant way to keep you listening and anticipatory of the second chorus where the song really takes off. It is catchy as all hell, and that notion carries over into Might Love Myself, which was another single that I've been able to have a lot of fun with. There were two other singles that I initially did love. But hearing them as part of the full record, I, I I can't pretend that my opinions on them haven't waned. Doubt Me just feels a bit void of the same emotion that I remember finding in it on the first few listens. It is still a good song, but just kind of cliche and inorganic in its delivery. And then... The Better Me, which features country music star Hardy. I wanted to like this song more than I did, because I felt like the concept of Beartooth with a country influence had a lot of potential, and it's still a fine song, but on a record with Riptide and Sunshine, the substance just isn't really there, and um, a friend of mine compared the song to Young and Dumb by Issues, which didn't really help my overall perception because I'm also, you know, kind of whatever on that particular song. I think the opening title track has a lot of character to it, and it feels way more established than some other songs here. It's got a great rhythm and melody mixing with the chorus. Um, 
What Are We Waiting For is another high point of the record, and it incorporates a chorus that I can't really explain other than just saying that it reminds me of like mid-2000s metalcore, specifically Funeral for a Friend. And again, I don't know why that's the exact vibe that I get, but it's just what stands out to me, and that makes it one of the biggest highlights of the record. I genuinely love that song. Look the Other Way was another point where I felt the momentum of the album, it really stalled, and that's because of its acoustic nature. It's not bad per se, but I don't think the album needed that kind of an endeavor in the middle of the closing stretch. If it was the actual closer, maybe it would have worked out better in my head. And then My New Reality is another example of the band kind of just sticking to a formula without bending or twisting it in any way and for that it falls flat and it doesn't help that this song is where i felt that the production and mixing shortcomings really showed in a bad way so when i look at the surface what i'm able to see here is that i at least like it more than below and that was kind of my main desire for this record i just wanted to not Think of it as being comparable to what I see as the low point for this band musically. But I also cannot really say right now that it does enough to really, really turn me around on Beartooth and make me as big of a believer in them today as I was back in the cycle for Disgusting. And maybe it's never going to happen at large like that. But at the very least, what I can say is that I am still reminded from time to time why Beartooth is a band that I have championed even in dark moments. And again, it's because of a song like Riptide and a song like Sunshine that shows me just how fucking good Beartooth can be. And is it frustrating at times that I can't get that feeling out of a whole project? Yes, absolutely. But I still do get to enjoy a lot of what I hear out of Beartooth. And at this point, what else can I ask for? And that's it. That was every album and EP and single from last week for me to go over. And I've been talking for a long time. I kind of want to go do my thing right now. Edit this whole episode, get it uploaded so you guys can hear it. And yeah, I'm going to go now, get out of y'all's heads and ears and shit. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always... For the love of the game, let's make a scene.